This afternoon, as you would expect, I'd like to return to the meditative cultivation of compassion. And I choose my words carefully here. We often speak kind of loosely of meditating on loving-kindness, meditating on compassion, meditating on the four immeasurables. Um, but I like to use words carefully. I don't always, but I try. And of course, we're, not we're never meditating on loving-kindness, because that would mean loving-kindness is what you're meditating on. Oh, let's take loving-kindness. Oh, interesting, loving-kindness. And that's not how you develop loving-kindness. That's not how you develop compassion, by meditating on compassion. And so, as was pointed out earlier, Tsepal brought it to our attention, and that is, for all of these practices, the, really, the object is sentient beings. And so, uh, the, the meditative cultivation, meditative cultivation of compassion. So, this one word, gom, sometimes is best translated, what are you meditating on? I'm meditating on impermanence. That's right, you know, I'm not cultivating impermanence, I'm meditating on impermanence, mitapa gom. But ninje gom, I'm not meditating on compassion, I'm cultivating. So the one word, gom, or meditation, sometimes better translated as meditation, sometimes as cultivation, depending on whether what you're meditating is objective, attending to impermanence, or whether it's cultivating a subjective state of awareness. So returning to the meditative cultivation, of compassion. <clears throat> I'd like to go into, into the more turbulent and deeper waters on this one. Uh, not that it should necessarily agitate us, but it really does call for wisdom. When we simply see people who are suffering and we wish for them to be free of suffering, that doesn't call for great wisdom. It's a good heart, and that's it. It's good. But where we're going today is to really expand the meaning of this yearning of compassion as the aspiration, may we be free of suffering and the causes of suffering. Causes not only as in natural calamities, illness, aging, sickness, and death, and so forth, but the really the core causes of mental afflictions, namely the mental afflictions that give rise to suffering. And so compassion very much includes that. And I'd like to be brief here, I'd like to jump into the practice very soon, but I'm going to take a theme uh, that is directly corresponding to uh, our morning practice, settling the mind in its natural state. I think every, all of us now are very familiar with the, with the term cognitive fusion, which I've taken from modern psychology, but it's very, very good, very useful. Of course, it's an expression of grasping. But the cognitive fusion, to give a one-liner, we simply fuse ourselves with the emotion, the thought, the memory, the feeling that arises. There's no sense of space around it. We've simply become it. I'm so angry. I'm so surprised. I'm so afraid. And there's just no sense of distance, no awareness of it, it's just one is in it, fused with it. Well, if we do this to ourselves, likewise, when we say, oh, I don't think I'm a very good person, I'm not a very compassionate person, I'm not this, I am that, again, it's a cognitive fusion with something that we are not, right? Because these are just mental states or modes of behavior, maybe even facial expressions, right? Uh, which they are not people, but we fuse with them and thereby limit ourselves. Well, as this process of cognitive fusion takes place ever so frequently, internally, within our own being, then consider when we attend to others. So, unfortunately, it happens all the time. And it happens especially vehemently when we attend to other people whose behavior is really very harmful, just to use a rather soft word. People whose behavior is harmful, people whose attitudes are harmful. I do believe that ideas can be as toxic as a, as a poison dagger right? Uh, racism is an idea. 
It's one of the worst ideas humanity has ever conjured up. And the amount of bloodshed and savagery and inhumanity under the name of, race, of racism is probably beyond the imagination. But it's just an idea, just an idea. But it's an immensely toxic idea. And we know there are many others as well. <clears throat> so when we see people who are holding toxic ideas, maybe it's racism and there's so many other kinds, or they have a toxic mentality, maybe arrogance or absolute focusing on other people just to manipulate or exploit them, to cheat them, to deceive them, and so forth. When we see such people, it's very easy to recoil. Recoil in, and technically the word is contempt. And contempt, I've learned this term from Paul Ekman, gave it a bit finesse. And contempt is viewing another person, and of course it could be self-directed, which gets pretty weird, but it can be. Uh, but contempt is viewing another person, let's say, with a sense of, from the perspective of moral superiority. Moral superiority. It may be just a very steep incline, looking down at vehement racists or other people who engage in despicable behavior or whose minds are profoundly dominated, virulently dominated by mental affliction, and then looking down on them and feeling, gosh, I'm glad I'm not like them. Those people are despicable, deplorable. And then we can bring out all our adjectives to show that, well, boy, am I not there because, boy, I'm not that kind of person. Those people really should be killed because they're murderers. Thank you. <laughs> right. Thank you. It took a little while. <laughs> but we see what happens. Contempt, that's exactly what happens in racism. This whole race here, or people with different, different eye shapes, different skin, pigment, skin pigmentation. I would like to have racism towards people with freckles. Freckles. And people with gray eyes. Gray eyes. Those are really awful people, aren't they? But I'd like to just, you know, to push that, just how really absurd it is. But as soon as the contempt sets in, it's almost like no holds barred. Because this person is so intrinsically inferior. Well, that's where we'll go today in our compassion meditation. And that is to attend to not only the victims, but those who are the victimizers, and see if we can get in with the surgery of wisdom, the sharp, how do you say, scalpel of wisdom, and see if we can distinguish to separate the mental affliction from the person who is subject to the mental affliction and therefore behaves out of that mental affliction. Shantideva speaks with great elo eloquence and insight on this point. He said, if somebody comes and beats another person with a stick, that's, that's a very savage thing to do, if, especially if it's like a big club. That's a terribly savage. You can kill people that way, of course. But nobody in his right mind ever looks at the, at the, at the club, let's say a baseball bat, that when one person is wielding to beat another, nobody looks at the baseball bat and starts getting angry at the baseball bat. Terrible baseball bat. That's an aluminum baseball bat. Can't stand aluminum. Much worse than wooden baseball bats. Can't stand baseball bats. Nobody's that stupid to get angry at baseball bats. You say, of course we're not that stupid. We're angry at the person who's wielding it, stupid. Quite true. That's one step in the right direction. And now who's wielding the mind Who's wielding the mind of the person who's wielding the baseball bat to harm another person? Who's in charge? And it's the mental afflictions. It could be contempt, anger, greed. It could be any mental affliction. And I think we all know that we never wake up in the morning or in midday or in evening and think, gosh, I think I'd really like to have a bout of contempt now or anger or any other mental afflictions. They happen to us and we are the first victims of them. So Shantideva's point here is so powerful and wise and compassionate all in the same breath is if 
It is ridiculous to feel anger towards a baseball bat. It is equally ridiculous, unrealistic, to feel anger towards the person or contempt, disdain for the person because that person is being wielded by his or her own mental afflictions just as that person is wielding the baseball bat. And so to distinguish, to separate the person who is afflicted from the affliction and wish may you be free of the mental afflictions that drive you helplessly into such behavior and delusion being a really core, a core manipulator there. So that's where we'll go. Deep waters where we really need the fusion of wisdom and compassion for this to be effective. So, let's jump right in. As you let your awareness descend into and fill the space of the body, settle your body in its natural state and the respiration in its natural rhythm. For a little while, calm and soothe your mind, allowing the flow of obsessive and compulsive thinking to soften, to diminish, as you attend to the in and out flow of the breath.
yesterday in our practice for the cultivation of compassion. <clears throat> we focused on those who are suffering because of natural calamities <clears throat> or simply natural causes, such as aging, sickness, and death. <clears throat> but it's painful, <clears throat> painfully obvious that much of the suffering we experience as human beings are not coming from such forces of nature or the mere fact that we are human, that we are born. But there is an immense amount of suffering that is ongoing and seems, sees no sign of diminishing of physical and mental torment that are created for human beings, by human beings, which we also inflict on many occasions to other sentient beings. as if there wasn't enough already. So let your attention rove and settle where you will. You may begin with a community, a population, a region of the globe, where right now there's great suffering. Often it's both physical and mental that is being aroused and perpetuated by those acting out of delusion, out of hostility, of malice, out of greed and craving. Ever so often clinging to their own views as supreme and ignoring the rights of anyone who doesn't share their views, their values. <clears throat> when your mind settles, then focus, first of all, on those who are indeed the victims. In many cases, through no fault of their own in this lifetime, they are simply the victims of other savagery, of injustice, of brutality and exploitation. Focus first on those who you recognize easily as the victims and attend closely so that it becomes real for you. Imagine being amongst them. <clears throat> and experiencing what they experience.
and then shifting back to your own perspective, arouse the yearning. May you be free of this suffering, free of the causes of this suffering. And with each in-breath, arouse this yearning, and imagine their suffering slowly dissipating as they find relief and freedom. Then shift your focus to those who are perpetuating such injustice, such harm, in so many cases with the full conviction that what they're doing is justified, that it's right, that it's for the greater good somehow. The human mind is fantastically ingenious in justifying even the most atrocious behavior. Attend to the victimizers. But deconstruct the cognitive fusion of fusing them entirely with their own mental afflictions. As you attend closely to them, Imagine being in their shoes. Imagine what it's being like, what it is like to be under such domination, enslavement, by such fierce and virulent mental afflictions.
never a moment of true sanity. And shifting back to your own perspective, focus on these whom we call the victimizers, recognizing that they in turn are victims of mental afflictions they never freely chose, that simply dominated their minds and their behavior, and continue to do so, and with each in-breath arouse the yearning. May you, like myself, be free of these true causes of suffering for yourself and for others. May you be free. With each in-breath, imagine them finding the circumstances, the good friend, the counselor, the guide, whatever is needed, to free themselves from this bondage. And imagine them, indeed, finding such freedom. <clears throat> Imagine the relief for everyone. Shift your attention to another group, a community, a population, whatever it may be, and practice in the same way.
focus in now more personally on a situation where there may just be one victim and one victimizer, or perhaps it's a family, something more local, more contained, but the suffering may be just as intense. And practice in the same way. And finally, if you will, bring to mind a situation, a memory, a phase of your life in which you were the victim. You were treated with brutality or injustice. You were harmed by another, deliberately. And first of all, arouse compassion for yourself. that you may be free of any lingering suffering, the aftershocks of the adversity you experienced. With each in-breath, imagine yourself becoming free so that you do allow the past to fade into the past and not continue to torment the present by way of memories, by way of reliving what you've experienced in the past. Imagine being free of the burden of the past. 
not through forgetting, but by releasing the grasping. Then as you attend to the mental afflictions that arouse and motivated such behavior on the part of the person who mistreated you, direct your compassion for the person. And with each in-breath, arouse the yearning. May you, like myself, be free of suffering and free of the causes of suffering. And breath by breath, Imagine it to be so. And now for just a brief time, expand the space of your awareness. To all those who suffer and all those who inflict suffering, whether deliberately or not. And with each in-breath arouse a yearning, may we all be free of suffering and its causes.
And then for just a moment, release all, aware, all appearances and let your awareness come to rest in its own nature, illuminating itself. And let's bring the session to a close. <laughs>